The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Are we afraid of the moving of the Holy Spirit in our midst? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. It is great, friends, to be back from Poland. What a glorious trip I had this weekend. I want to share some things that I think you'll find relevant, encouraging, edifying. Michael Brown, welcome to the line of fire. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. 866-348-7884. You say, well, what topics? Any topics. Because we had a few pre-recorded shows because of my trip to uh, Poland, any subject you want to talk to me about, anything you want to bring up, anything you want to agree with, disagree with, phone lines are wide open for your calls. So we'll get to some calls later in the show, 866-348-7884. But the earlier you call, the better. Thanks for all who prayed for me. And boy, what a joy to be back in the nations overseas. It's my first overseas trip since covid and I've, I've been overseas, I believe it's more than 160 trips overseas. Not just out of the U.S., I'm not including Canada, Mexico, that would be another, I don't know, 30, 40 trips, but overseas, so over the Atlantic, over the Pacific, uh, sometimes taking two days travel to get to the destination. There's something about going to the nations that is part of my calling, and it is very special and very wonderful and very glorious. And I've done so many Zoom meetings, you know, from Indonesia to South Africa to India to around the world, done meetings by Zoom. And that's great, you know, right in the privacy of your home. You don't have to fly uh, and travel. You don't have to deal with jet lag, time zones, all this. You can keep your normal schedule and do these. And it's wonderful. I take advantage of that. But there's nothing like being with the people. There's nothing like experiencing God together in another country and ministering through a translator and seeing God move the same way in different countries. It's just, it's, it's very special. Thursday, I wanna to talk to you about Poland and the Jewish people and my visit to the new Jewish museum in Poland, which was very significant. That's how the trip ended on Sunday. But let's see, yesterday, about 12.30 in the morning, Eastern time, I left my hotel and about 19 and a half hours later, so it was Warsaw to Heathrow, Heathrow to Newark, Newark to Charlotte. I got home. I tried to go to sleep normal time and get on my normal schedule. Uh, students in our ministry schools used to uh, love my overseas trips because the class when I came back, normally it's just my custom. I, I come back one day and start normal schedule. The next some days I, I get back early enough, I start normal schedule the same day. But they used to love uh, what we call the jet lag classes because I would go on a tangent and never come back. But we'll see, we'll see if that happens today uh, or if if, uh, because of the constraints of radio, we rein in those tangents a little bit more. I do wanna talk to you very practically about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church today and how much we welcome the Holy Spirit, to what extent we are dependent on the Holy Spirit to what extent we are afraid of the Holy Spirit. And we may say, well, we're afraid of how people will react. I understand that. Emotionalism can be dangerous and misleading, just like spiritual dryness and deadness is is very dangerous. But 
Uh, sometimes when we're, we're, we talk about being afraid of how people react, we're really afraid to step back and let the Holy Spirit work in our midst. I, I want to probe that honestly. I, I really want to. But first, just a, just a couple things about going to the nations. Even though I've been overseas, as I said, about 160 trips uh, out, out of the U.S. overseas, it's only to a total of 33 nations. This is my first time in Poland. So I say only 33 nations because I've been to some countries like India and Italy 27 times each. So instead of going to many, many different nations, I've gone to some of the same countries over and over, over the years. Uh, but there's something in, in my spiritual DNA and my calling that loves to go to the nations. When I texted Nancy from the airport, just saying, I'm so excited to be going to the nations and, and then texted her from Poland about what God was doing. She said, yeah, it's, it's a very important part of your calling. But there are basically three stages to every trip. The first stage is the exhilaration of going. I love going. I love getting on the plane. I love the excitement of, of traveling to another country. I feel God's hand on me. I feel special grace to do it. That's phase one. Phase two is the no sleep jet lag phase. And it's normally going to be on one of the flights, you know, especially if you're traveling for a couple of days that you just, you can't sleep adequately or you get there and you're up in the middle of the night trying to go back to sleep or you have to get up to speak and you're kind of exhausted. And the main thing you want to do is go back to your room and sleep. You know, you're dealing with jet lag. It's 12 hours, different time, you know, in time zones and things like that. So that's phase two. Well, of course, at this stage, if you've you know, been used to this for many, many years now, you just have to ignore that. You have to ignore how you feel. You have to ignore what your body's saying, and you just have to, it's time to minister. It's time to speak. You just push through, and, and you do it. Because normally, like, wow, what's the matter? I remember my first trip to Israel in 86 with Nancy and getting ready to minister and thinking, wow, I don't really feel the spirit. I don't have that normal sense of, of God's presence or unction or that excitement or that focus. And, oh, jet lag. It's jet lag. So some trips, it's there. Some trips more severely, some trips less. Eating healthily and all that has certainly helped me over the years now in the last eight years. But that's phase two. And then phase three is God moving among the people. People being touched. Uh, lives being changed. And, and just the preciousness of that. The beauty of that. The, the glory of that. And I, I want to first talk to you about some really neat things God did on this trip and then I want to talk to you candidly about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want to probe some things. I, I'm, I may push a couple of buttons here to, to get us to think some things through. But hey, that, that's what I'm here to do. I, I want to infuse you with faith and truth and courage to help you stand strong, to help you run your race, to help you fulfill your calling in God. That reminds me, if you haven't visited our completely revamped website, we're getting rave reports from folks. Spent a lot of time working on it to make it the best we could for you. Check it out. Explore it. You, you'll, you will end up spending some time there. AskDrBrown.org. A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org. Send your friends there. Send seekers there. Send people with questions. Uh, you'll find it really, really enriching there for you. What we're doing on the radio show and our articles and videos and everything, that's what we're doing there on that website to be a resource for each of you. Okay, so give you a context. Uh, the, the population of Poland, what is it in the, in the uh, about 38 million, somewhere around there in the, in, in, in the high 30s, um, 
they've taken in a few million now Ukrainian refugees and they've they've taken them in with real with real joy to say, hey, we are we are here to help. We are brothers and we are standing together against against the onslaught of Russia. Uh, so obviously they'd love international support to help them uh, in doing what they're doing. But there was no complaint like we're being overrun with refugees. It seemed that, you know, the sentiment and again, I've only spoken to several people there, but the sentiment was very much welcoming as Christians, as brothers, especially welcoming these, these refugees into the country. So I, I, don't, I don't know the exact uh, population of Poland right now, but it is, it is almost entirely a Catholic country, uh, although I've been told that a lot of people have been leaving the church because of many of the ongoing scandals, even with the Polish Pope. Now there are mixed feelings because of why didn't he act on sex scandals in the past and things like that. So many people leaving the church, but still it's, it's overwhelmingly a Catholic country. So how many of the Catholics are true believers? God knows, right? God knows. Among those who would be identified as evangelical, it's about 100,000. That's, that's what I was told about 100,000. I meant to check those statistics with some reports that I follow on, online, Operation World and prayer reports and things like that. But it, it, was, it was not much different than I was expecting. It is a tiny, tiny minority of the country that is evangelical. So in America, it's maybe 25% of the country, 30% that claim to be evangelical. You know, it could be 80 million, it could be 100 million that claim to be evangelical. Obviously, not everyone's really born again in that number. So contrast that with maybe 100,000 in, in Poland. And now, those that would be charismatic, Pentecostal, maybe 40,000. So if we had a gathering on Saturday at a conference center of maybe 400 plus believers uh, and maybe 50 pastors, that was a significant gathering. And for God to move in their midst was significant. But these were serious believers, friends. These were people who wanted the word of God. These were people who welcomed the spirit of God. And Sunday morning, the final message at the home church. So we did, we did meetings Friday night, Sunday morning for the home church. And then three meetings on Saturday uh, for the conference. And the pastor spoke a fourth meeting. So there were four meetings Saturday. I did three and then one Friday night, and then one Sunday morning. I felt led to share on Sunday morning that God wants to share his heart with us. God wants to share his heart with us. It's not the, the normal message I would feel I could bring on a Sunday morning because it, it, it assumes a certain level of maturity, a certain level of seriousness among the believers, a certain level of depth to, to speak about this, but it's God doesn't want to simply give his spirit and pour out his spirit among us and bless us. He, he wants people who will share his heart, share his burden, share his pain. As we intercede, we carry his burden and his pain as we pray for his purposes to come to pass. And as I was speaking, there was a, a sister that was translating for me and it was hard for her at certain points to translate because she broke down weeping as she was speaking. So she was feeling this burden so deeply. And at one point, towards the end of the message, I forget what the exact line was. And I was talking about God's heart for Israel in this as well. This church has a great heart for Israel. At some point, as I, as I said the words, and you could really sense the Spirit's presence in our midst, I, I, I saw to my right as I spoke, the translator just 
hit by the spirit. I don't know how else to describe it. Just staggered. Didn't fall off her feet, but just moved. And at that moment, boom, I heard loud sound. I looked to my left, and the pastor had fallen out of the chair and was flat on his face. Flat on his face before the Lord. Boom. And afterwards, he told me with tremendous sobriety what God did in his heart. Something, a burden that God gave him he had never had before. Friends, it's, it's real. The Holy Spirit does real things. And, and we see real results. And those results, I've witnessed now, last for decades. Are we afraid of the ministry of the Holy Spirit? We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Yeah, that's the number to call. 866-348-7884. Any Bible question you want to ask, any theological question, any spiritual issue, cultural issue you want to discuss with me, phone lines are open, 866-348-7884. Do we recognize our acute need for the life and power of the Holy Spirit in our ministries and in our personal lives? Is, is it just a phrase, a concept to us as followers of Jesus that we need the Spirit? Or, or do we recognize the degree that we are dependent on the Spirit's work in our lives? Let me read to you something that A.W. Tozer said. He said, this is in his book, The Mystery of the Holy Spirit. It is possible to run a church without the Holy Spirit, which is the terrible thing. You organize it, you get a board, a pastor, a choir, a ladies' aid society, and a Sunday school, and you get all organized. So he's painting things a little bit older generation terms, but you get the point he's making. He said, I believe in organization. I'm not against it. I'm for it. You get organized, and you get a pastor to turn the crank, and that is all there is to it. The Holy Ghost can leave. And the pastor goes on turning the crank and nobody finds it out for five years. Oh, what a horrible tragedy to the Church of Christ. He says this, God's word to the church today, and he wrote this over 50 years ago, is the restoration of the spirit to his rightful place in the church and in your life is by all means the most important that could possibly take place. Now, today we could say you get the right band, you get the right speaker, you get the right environment. You bring in the crowds, you get the hype, you get the emotionalism, get the smoke machines, whatever. Or, you know, however it is you put it together. You get the person with great academic knowledge that's going to, you know, lecture, etc. And then people will come, but, but are, are people being changed by God? Are they encountering God? Uh, Tosa said this, the truth is, God never thought of his church apart from the Holy Spirit. We were born of the Spirit. We are baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit. We are anointed with the Spirit. We are led of the Spirit. We are taught of the Spirit. And the Spirit is the medium, the divine solution, in which God holds his church. Now, you may say, you may say, the moment we're saved, we receive the Spirit in full and have everything God will ever give us by his Spirit. 
just like a newborn baby, has what it needs at birth and just needs to grow into an adult. Well, the same thing. The moment we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit in full, as not meaning the fullness of the Holy Spirit in entirety, but everything that we will get from God of the Spirit, we get at salvation. Others say, no, no, we must seek God after we are saved for the baptism of the Spirit or for the manifestation of the Spirit. I, I believe the latter. I believe we're indwelt by the Spirit at the moment of salvation. Our bodies become temples of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, when we gather, the Spirit is there in our midst, but we seek God for an infusion of power, a baptism of the Spirit. But let's just not even divide over that. Let's just say, okay, either way, either way, if you receive everything you need for life and godliness, for ministry, the moment you're saved, or if there's a subsequent endowment, either way, just show me. Show me. Show me the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, well, it's to conform me to the character of Jesus. Yeah, that number one thing God's always doing in our lives is to make us like the Son of God. Of course, absolutely. And we should be bearing fruit of the Spirit. There should be love and goodness and kindness and truth and self-control and all of those things, those moral disciplines and that, that fruit of grace and joy and peace that, that's obvious and supernatural love. A absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking for that. All the gifts and power and manifestations mean nothing to me if I don't see the fruit and I don't see foundations in the Word of God. At the same time, the power of the Holy Spirit is essential for the work of the gospel. Now, friends, think of this. Jesus is with his disciples for over three years. No one was ever trained, and no one will ever be trained at the level that they were trained by the master himself for three and a half years. Fact. There were eyewitnesses to his life, to his death, to his resurrection. That can never happen with any other group. They were sent out on missions by him and performed his mighty works while he was still with them while he was alive, before he died and rose. And then after he rose, he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, Luke 24. So no one, no seminary training, no Bible school training, nobody ever received what they received. Nobody on the planet ever has or ever will. Are they ready? No, no, they're not ready yet. What do you mean they're not ready yet? They're not ready yet. Luke 24, 49, stay in the city of Jerusalem, until you're endued with power from on high. Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. There is an endowment of power to be witnesses, a supernatural endowment of power that demonstrates that Jesus has risen from the dead. The words come with power. There's the power of conviction. There's the power of knowing these are words from God. There's the power of divine authority to break satanic strongholds. There is the, the, the divine authority to heal the sick, to see God move. This is to exalt the resurrected Jesus. Do we recognize our need for the power of the Holy Spirit? When I started doing radio, Nancy and I had a talk before the first show, and she said, you know, this could be really dangerous for you. Mean it, and I knew exactly what you meant. You could do a good show without the Spirit. I'm a talker. Just how many good radio shows are there out there that are totally secular that people listen to by the millions, right? And there's nothing of the Holy Spirit on them whatsoever, but they're talkers. People enjoy the show, right? I'm, you know, I can debate and be pretty quick in my thinking and so on. So I, I could theoretically do a good radio show without God, but it wouldn't change anybody. 
So I recognize, and I don't, I don't mean that I'm going to be speaking in tongues on the radio and saying this one's being healed here and there. I just mean that somehow the Holy Spirit must be working through this. Otherwise, it's just talk. It's just words. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, the, the kingdom of God's not a matter of words only, but of power. There he meant kingdom authority, but it power of the Spirit to, to do the work of God. So I just want to mention this. I'm going to go to phone calls in a little while. So from Poland, I posted a video of some of the worship the first night uh, in, in the church, Revival Glory Church in Warsaw. So, it's, I don't know, 45-second minute clip. Let me just play this. Some of the worship from the service, just so you can get into the service with me in Poland. Let's listen. some of the worship have great half hour 45 minutes of worship and then very hungry for the word of god and saturday night when i finished the message 400 plus folks in a conference center there in poland uh probably well we call leaders pastors and leaders up there were dozens and dozens of people 50 60 70 that that came up for prayer at the end but i had an altar call if people had left their first love if there was sin in their lives if, or if they wanted to make themselves available afresh to the work of God. So the place came flooding forward, filled the, the building. And, and I, I posted a picture. For those watching, I'll just put the picture up. But I just posted a picture of the altar call I, I, because people are praying for our meetings and I wanted to give them uh, a sense of, uh, of, of what was happening in the meeting. So I just posted this picture. Just said, this is just a part of the crowd that came forward. So when I look back later, overwhelmingly people were rejoicing and thanking God and they're praying for the fire of God to fall in Poland and revival fire and, and so on. And many people deeply touched. And I'm quite confident that I'll talk to people, God willing, years down the line that will tell me how their lives were changed that night because the Holy Spirit was there. But to my, to my real grief, I saw other people posting comments like, well, altar call is not in the Bible. That's their response. That's their response. Or uh, just crowds, just emotionalism. You got to be careful of that. You got to guard against that. And others, we just need to go back to the intellectual propositions of the word of God. I thought, what kind of nonsense is that? First, an altar call is just a call to respond. And there are endless calls to respond. In the, throughout the whole Bible, respond, choose, be baptized, stretch out your hand. You know, if you're crippled, there, there are endless calls to respond through the Bible. Leave everything, follow me. Endless calls. This is just the call to respond in that setting, right? It wasn't even a salvation call. It wasn't, now say these little words with me and you're magically born again. If you'll say three words, that was 
No such form, nothing. It's just call to respond, which people did. It's thoroughly biblical. That's number one. Number two, to, to see that, and your first response is negative. Your first response is emotionalism. And I preached the word. I, I went through verse after verse after verse after verse in the afternoon session about repentance. Verse after verse after verse. Probably quoted more scripture, went through more scripture than uh, many pastors would in three or four or five messages combined. And then at night, more of the word, and then the call to respond. When the first reaction is negative, when the first reaction is judgmental, when you go back to the intellectual propositions of the word, since when is the word of God intellectual only? Since when did God tell us to love him with our mind and not our heart? Where's that in the Bible? When did the Bible not say, weep, rejoice, fall on your face and worship? Where is that not in the Bible? Who took that out? For those who say, I'm Bible only. No, I don't think so. If you're a Bible only, you'd embrace the fullness of the Spirit. And you'd embrace the emotional side of our relationship with God as well. Back with your calls. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire. Michael Brown just back from Poland last night. Delighted to be with you. Here's the number to call, 866-348-7884. You might say, Dr. Brown, I'd love to travel overseas with you one time. Hey, join us in Israel. Join us in Israel. Now, it's not a typical ministry trip. It's a tour with, with special ministry at night. But join us in Israel. Still time. Yeah, there's still time. We've got some uh, extra seats we opened up. So go to askdrbrown.org, A-S-K-D-R-Brown.org, right there on the homepage. And be sure to sign up for our emails. If you're not getting them, you want to stay informed. I even find things out through the emails because I'm subscribed to get my own emails. Like, oh, that's right. That's this week. Oh, cool. So, yeah, take advantage of that. We're, we're here for you. That's, that's why we're here. We are here for you. If, if an amazing amount of money came pouring into our ministry, more money than we ever saw, it would go right back out to touch people. It, it would help support our missionaries that we serve around the world. It would help with our Jewish outreach, and it would help get us on more stations and put out more resources for you. That's why we're here. That's, that's also what it is to be a nonprofit ministry. The funds that come in go out to be a blessing to help each of you. So take advantage of the resources we have. All right, I'm going to open up the phones. Anything you want to talk to me about, any subject under the sun, 866 Three four truth. We start with. I was going to start with David in California. In fact, all right. I'm going to come back to his question first. Uh, we'll, we'll go over to Miami, Florida. Marion, welcome to the line of fire. Hello, Doctor Brown. Uh, hey, pleasure to speak to you, uh, my brother in Christ. Uh, let me tell you that I've been reading your books. Uh, I'm. Uh, I like so much to read. Uh, a lot of the books that you wrote, and they've been a blessing for my life. Well, thank you. Life. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, my question is this, Doctor. I was going to ask you uh, about the Holy Spirit. Uh, every time that I speak to uh, 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 a person that they don't believe about in the Trinity, mm -hmm. uh, they always said this to me. They're like, so when David 
uh, you know, told the Lord, don't leave your Holy Spirit, your spirit out of me. David was talking about the Holy Spirit, about the persona of the Holy Spirit, about the persona of the Trinity of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that was God, the Father. A lot of them, they, they denied about the, uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, they don't believe that yeah. the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. And what, the other question that they asked me is this, is, so who is the Father of Jesus? Is it the Father, God, or the Father is the Holy Spirit? And uh, so that's, you know, I, I'd like to ask if you can respond yeah. to me, because it's a little bit confusing for me. So yeah. these, these kind of people, are they, uh, are they, do they come to be Christians? Are they Jehovah's Witnesses? Are they Jewish people? What's, do, do they believe the Old Testament? What, what do they accept? Uh, a lot of them were, well, actually, the, the, the last uh, person that I spoke to, uh, he said he is Christian. He said that he believes uh, uh, in Jesus. He, he didn't tell me, he said he don't follow any religion, that he just liked to read the Bible. Right, so, right. But, uh, but he, he said that he don't believe the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He believed uh, in God, in Jesus. Right. He even told me, look, it's like he, he, the Holy Spirit is like a forgotten God. That's right, so, so ask him... Um, ask him the question, and, and A.W. Tozer references this in his book, The Mystery of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus says in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen that we are to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He, he said, put any other name there outside of the Holy Spirit, and you realize how outrageous it would be if the Holy Spirit is not God. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and Mary. What? We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and Paul. What? We baptize the name of the Father, the Son, and Billy Graham. What? So you put any other name there. We baptize the name of the Father, the Son, and the angel Gabriel. What are you talking about? So you have verses like that, Matthew 28, 19, or a 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Uh, the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be yours. Uh, or in 1 Corinthians 12, there's one God, one Lord, one Spirit. Or Hebrews 9, the eternal Spirit. Uh, or Acts 5, you lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. Uh, you have verse after verse explicitly uh, equating the Holy Spirit with God, but not the Father, not the Son. What you need to do is, is ask this person, okay, let's read John 14, 15, and 16 together, right? Let's read John 14, 15, and 16. And see, here's the Father, here's the Son, here's the Spirit. One God, but each one distinct. The Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit. The Spirit testifies of Jesus, Jesus exalts the Father. I mean, it's just, it's, it's undeniable. It's, it's there. Uh, Matthew, the third chapter, the, the Spirit comes down on Jesus as he's being baptized, and the Father says, this is my Son. So the Son is the Son of the Heavenly Father, and the Spirit is the Spirit of God, Father, Son, Spirit. David does say to God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, in Psalm 51. So he certainly understands that, that the Spirit is a distinct entity. Does he fully understand the Trinity? No, I don't think David fully understood the Trinity. But he recognized that there was something of, of, of God's spirit that was in him or on him. And because of his sin, 
that, that the spirit could be taken from him. It's very interesting if you will just check out the references to the spirit in the Old Testament. You'll find that the spirit instructed people. The spirit led people. The spirit could be grieved. You, you can't grieve just a power. You can't grieve the wind, but you can grieve a person. So Isaiah 63, the spirit could be grieved. Micah 2, the spirit could be grieved. Uh, Nehemiah 9, the spirit led and instructed Israel. Many verses uh, to this effect. Volume 2 of my series, Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus. I, I list all of these in great detail. And you can find some of this on the Real Messiah website, realmessiah.com. But the Spirit is equated with God. The Spirit clearly has personality. The, the Spirit is distinct. And yet, clearly, there's one God and one God only. Hence, our understanding of Father, Son, and Spirit. And the one place where you'll find it laid out the most clearly verse after verse is John 14, 15, and 16. So anything you didn't uh, get in this call now, just once the, the show is posted, go back, uh, listen once again, jot down these references, and you'll see the, the testimony of Scripture is rich and beautiful about this. All right? Amen. Thank you, Dr. Brown. Thank you so much. You are, you are very welcome. God bless you. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay. Back to... David's question that he didn't get to ask on the air, but I saw posted on my board. Why does one person have faith and another not? It, it really does seem that there's some people in, in the world and you share the gospel with them and, yeah, you know, I, I've been wondering about that and that makes sense. And I, I really, is there a God? I, I, if there is, I want to follow him. And someone else like, no, it can't be, it's not, it's not possible, it can't be. I've thought about this for years, it's obviously not a God. Why does that seem to be the case in the world? It's one thing. Second thing, in the church, why is it that some people, they just seem to have no problem trusting? We don't understand God's ways, but we know he's good. But you, your child just died in an accident. We don't understand the ways of the Lord, but I know he's good. I'm I'm in agony, but I know he's good. And then someone else, where was God? How could God be there? And I suffer a loss like this. And these are both believers. And one seems to just be able to say, I, I'm still praising God, even though I'm in agony over this loss. I'm still praising God because he's good. And someone else like, if God's real, why would he let this happen? And they're both believers. So why does one have faith and another not have faith? Nancy and I, a few years back, read Reinhard Bonnke's autobiography, and, and she pointed something out to me that uh, in the midst of, of the, the horrors of World War II, there's so much suffering that they endured, that Bonnke's brothers, when, when the father gave them an answer, okay, why did, you know, this ship had Christians on it and it sank, and this ship had Christians on it that didn't sink, you know, that kind of question, why? And the father gave an answer. It didn't satisfy the brothers, but it satisfied Bonke. And she pointed that out. It's like, yeah, why is that? So there are several things. One is the sovereignty of God. We just have to acknowledge God is God. And he creates us differently. And we have different callings and different graces. Just human nature and even in the body. Some have more of one thing. Some have more of another. Some have more compassion, some have more faith, some have more boldness, some have more sensitivity. 
We're just called differently and wired differently. So that's one thing. That's why that is, let God be God. Can't answer that, all right? A second thing is our own life experiences, that the environment in which we're raised, we might be raised in a, in a loving, affirming environment where we are affirmed and faith in God is affirmed, and we then filter things through that, through our upbringing, and this is, this is who we are. And others, their upbringing is very, very different because of which they filter things differently and experience things differently. But either way, either way, because God is God and because God is compassionate and God is just, ultimately, friends, if, if we will throw ourselves on him, I don't know if you're real or not. I don't know if you're true or not. I want the truth. I will follow the truth wherever it leads. If we will say that as unbelievers or believers, right? Believers with questions, unbelievers with doubts, whatever it is, I want the truth. And, and God, if you're there with everything in me, I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to make yourself real. I'm asking you to show me, is this myth or is this reality? I'm asking you to show me in my heart, my mind, I need to I need to know if you are earnest and sincere, God will meet you. That much I know. God will level everything out. We all may end up with different types of expressions and some stronger in certain areas than others. But ultimately, ultimately, those who seek him earnestly will find him. That's his promise. And he will help them seek him earnestly if they are sincere. All right, still got time for some more questions. If you want to call in, 866-348-7884. We'll be right back. The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome back, friends, to the Line of Fire broadcast. Michael Brown, delighted to be live back with you from Poland, 866-34-TRUTH. Tomorrow's broadcast, God willing, unless there's some major, major shift in terms of of what happens in, uh, in the world around us, uh, I want to talk to you about the elections in Italy. A conservative woman now, first time elected as, as prime minister of Italy. And uh, I just, just saw excerpts of a speech she was giving. Uh, one of our grads, Italian believer in Italy, uh, sent it over to me. And I'm just looking at the captions where she's saying who she is and what her identity and background is and why. It's just, it's really powerful. There's some very interesting things going on. So it was just in Poland. And Hungary and Poland are often outliers with the European Union because of their conservative social agenda. So not agreeing, say, with homosexual activism in schools, things like that. And now some very interesting statements from Italy on on what this means and what the shift speaks of it. And also some really interesting things about whether leftist ideology can reproduce long term. So I want to investigate that, talk about that with you tomorrow on the broadcast. Uh, also on Thursday's show, I want to talk to you about Poland and Jewish history. What I was familiar with 
overwhelmingly, devastatingly, was the effect of the Holocaust. That 3.3 million Jews lived in Poland before the Holocaust, and the Nazis slaughtered 3 million of them. Nine out of every 10 Jews living in Poland were slaughtered by the Nazis. It's completely overwhelming, devastating, incomprehensible figure. What I had not thought of prior to that was the obvious, namely, why were so many Jews living in Poland? Why was it such a, a good place for Jews to live? How long had they been there in Poland? So that was, that was very eye-opening, and I, I want to talk to you about some of that on our Thoroughly Jewish Thursday broadcast later this week. Let me get back to the Holy Spirit. Let me get back to A.W. Tozer, his book, The Mystery of the Holy Spirit. My problem with most Tozer books is I'm highlighting sometimes page page after page. It's like, okay, this is good. Oh, this is good. Oh, okay. Oh, whoa, this is good. Whoa, I need to quote this. I need to remember this. I need to cite this. Uh, just <clears throat> extraordinary. That's he was he was deep. He spent time with God. He waited on the Lord. He was not in a hurry to do ministry. He was focused on God first. This is what Tozer said over 50 years ago, right? He died in, we live 1898 to 1963, is that it? I think so. So he died in 1963. He said, you know what is the matter with us in our day? We are the busiest bunch of eager beavers I have ever known or have ever been probably in the religious world. The idea is that if you're not running in a circle, if you're not breathing down the back of your own neck, you are not pleasing God. And, and he says, that we, we need to learn to slow down and be with God. And, and that's been my challenge for decades. Not, not, oh, I'm so lazy, I need to work harder. No, that's, that's not my issue. My issue is I can be running too fast. My issue is I can be working too hard I, I can be busier doing and neglecting being, neglecting being with the Lord, out of which what we do bears more fruit. For example, we could here let, let's let's just say it's famine time, right? But you know that there's some underground wells and you've got a hundred acres, but you know there there are five locations on those hundred acres where there are these wells, these subterranean wells, and, and there can be a, a source of water and irrigation, and you won't die, right? So you just get out with, you, you know, you got a few kids, so kids are right there, you start digging here, you start digging here, and then, then we'll, well, and, and you're running around doing that over 100 acres, right? And what are your chances of finding the wells? Or you say, God, we need your help. Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you show us where the wells are? And then when he shows you, you dig and you work and you get those irrigation trenches done. So you work hard, but first you go to the Lord. First you seek the Lord. And so many times we are, we are busy running around for him and we forget to, to wait on him. And not just that, to worship him, to be with him. Leonard Ravenhill, Leonard Ravenhill told me that the, the most staggering thing that A.W. Tozer ever told him Tosa said that, that some days he's, he spends hours prostrate on his face before God, not saying a word, just gazing 
on his beauty. Just so overwhelmed by who God is that he would just worship on his face in the presence of God, awestruck by the beauty of the Lord. Talk about that as a staggering, staggering concept. Tozer said this. He said, Christianity has leveled down and the high quality is gone. We are as light as butterflies. We flit around in the sunshine, imagining we are eagles flapping our broad wings above the rocks of God. Instead of that, we are butterflies. We're trying to work when we are not prepared to work. I've said the church would be better off if we called for a moratorium on activity for about six weeks and just wait on God to see what he would do for us. Just wait on God. The early church did that very thing. They cleaned up the loose ends and were united. We pray, oh God, send thy Holy Spirit upon us so we'll be united. We might just as well repeat three blind mice. I love Tozer. God does not hear that kind of prayer because it has no sense in it. The Holy Ghost did not come upon the disciples to unite them. The Holy Spirit came upon the disciples because they were already united, being of one accord and in one place. Acts 1 and Acts 2. Scholars tell us that being of one accord is a musical term, meaning harmony. The early Christians already were one. They were in harmony with each other when they were together in one place. And listen to this. I got to read this. The trouble with some is that they are here, but not all here. Oh, that's been me. That's been my challenge. And God's helped me over the years to deal with that. But it's still a challenge. Their mind is wandering all over wandering around all over the place, but they are here in body. The disciples were together in one place. Get this quote. Someone said that we have yet to see what God can do with a man if he can get him together in one place. So not with a bunch of people, get them all together. But if God could get one person all together in one place, what could happen? I have been for several months now Living in, thank you, God, for now. Thank you, God, for now. Thank you, God, for now. Because I have always had my mind racing ahead to the next thing. And, and I'm on my way in to do the radio show, and my mind is racing to the next article I'm going to write. And then when I'm writing that article, I'm, I'm already traveling to the next place I'm going to be traveling to. And I realized when I was overseas, because I have, I have so often... I have so often ministered when I'm very tired because of jet lag, right? That when I get up to minister and I'm on my way to the meeting, the big thought on my mind is I can't wait to get back to my room to go to sleep because I'm so tired. Now, of course, once I get up to minister, I'm absolutely absorbed with ministry. That's what I'm focused on. But, you know, on the way there, I'm thinking, oh, I can't wait to get back to the room. And I realize, yeah, that's, or, okay, when I get back home, I'm going to be doing this. Okay, or... And, and, okay, but you're here, you're here now. It was the Jim Elliott quote, wherever you are, be there. Uh, folks that were close to Billy Graham told me years ago when, when I asked them what was the, the outstanding characteristic about his life, they said that when he's there, he's totally present. I thought, yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. Thank you, Lord, for now. I have this moment. I have this moment. How can I glorify God? I have this moment. Okay, forget about what you're gonna do, great exploits you're gonna do tomorrow. And the amazing things you're gonna accomplish next year. Okay, here I am today, today. Reminds me of that 
book that, that we used as a children's reader for our girls when they were little. And it was, uh, I'll teach my dog a hundred words. When I checked a few years ago, it was still in print, these decades later. And it's this guy, and he's going to teach his dog a hundred words. And I'll teach him sit and stand. And so, you know, you're learning a hundred words of vocabulary in the book. And I remember our, our older daughter had memorized it, so she would do it backwards, you know, because it didn't matter what page, she just had memorized it. Uh, but it, the, it ends with they're both sleeping under the tree. And he said, I'll teach my dog a hundred words tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. Yesterday's gone. I know it sounds right. We only have today. No, we don't have this moment. We live in a moment. Redeem the moment. Redeem the moment. During your prayer time, focus on God. During your times in the Word, focus on the Word. During your times in worship, give yourself to worship. During your family time, be with your family. When you're sharing the gospel, that's the person that matters right then. When you're on your job, that's your focus. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Make me a blessing. Work through me. Let me read this again. The trouble with some, Tozer says, that they are here but not all here. Their mind is wandering around all over the place, but they are here in body. The disciples were together in one place. Someone once said that we have yet to see what God can do with a man if he can get him together in one place. Lord, help me. Help each of my listeners now. Help us to be together right where we are. Help us to live in the moment. Help us to seize the moment and redeem the time. For the glory of God, let's do it. Another program powered by the Truth Network.